What have we here? Welcome to the wonders of Theda. Welcome to the Wonders of Thetis podcast, your one-stop shop for all your Dragon Age role-playing game needs. My name is Ren. And I am Jessica. Welcome back to another cool episode. We're feeling kind of better. Um, you're feeling better. I'm feeling better. I've passed it on to you. No, I... No? This, I have... This is just the rest of my life, at least for the next year, because of the job that I do. Mm. Typhoid Marys. Adorable Typhoid Marys. I keep saying it. It keeps being entirely true. Mm. I have had this cough for like... Two and a half, three weeks. Oh boy. Still there. I hope I don't need surgery to fix my singing voice. Mm. Neat. Good neato. Either way, we should have a pretty cool show today, so uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what we get. We got a pretty cool one. I like this one. It's, uh, this is going to be cool. So um, we have no news. We have no news this week in Thetis, uh, unless you count you know, speculations about Dragon Age 4, of which there are a few. They've been very tight-lipped about it, and that's fair. Yep. It's probably not gonna. We're probably not gonna see anything for a couple of years. It'll be a little while. A year. Mass Effect. It's, a, it's out. a big ticket item. Mm-hmm. Mass Effect Andromeda's coming out soon. Not terribly soon. Next year, but it'll be cool. It'll be pretty neat. Just to think, maybe I'm crazy. One. We're a Dragon Age podcast, not a Mass Effect mm-hmm. podcast. Mass Effect. Mass Effect. Not just kidding. Mass Effect's awesome. Dang cool. Still. So, Shall we move forward? I suppose we should probably go ahead and consult the Codex. You can ask me questions if you like. I'm not sure why you'd want to, but... Oh, good. Thank you. I'm... going to regret this, aren't I? Welcome to the Codex. This question, we got one question this time, comes from Nate uh, on the Green Ronin forums. Goes also by Nathelm. Nathelm, Nathelm. Nathelm. I, the one problem with all of this is we don't get to hear your names. It's true. And so we kind of have to guess <laughs> and hope for linguistic accuracy as best we can. Butchering names, one podcast episode at a time. That's us. That's us. So I've got your whole question here, Nate. You had a really good question, and um, let's see, but it's a, it's a little long. Yeah. Is there a... Um, TLDR, um, Nate, you were let's see, you were basically running a game for one of your friends, and your friend had like a five strength and a focus, and they were hitting everything. Um, and you were let's see, and you were we kind of uh, put out that it was it kind of felt like just uh, walking up to the enemies and hitting them, and then waiting for them to come take a cha- take a shot yeah, at well you, and, and just waiting for stunts to happen. And... I think part of the issue primarily was it's not trying to hit; it's just rolling to see if you get stunts. Correct. Yes, because now because with a plus seven, um, with a plus seven to attack and um, the average die roll on a on a on three d sixes being nine, ten, and eleven, you're probably going to hit a lot of stuff by that point. Mm-hmm. And your question, and your question was basically uh, you explained this whole situation and uh, expressed how it was kind of bugging you and you weren't sure if you were getting it right. So well, and also that we have characters in high levels. Oh yes. In our home game, and if we see a lot of that too, it's true. Yeah, Um, I see where you're. I I see where you're coming from, and I totally understand, Nate. Um, Let's see. Um, As a player, just from a player perspective, Mm -hmm. what? Like we're all level seventeen now. We're just super fancy. Did you guys? But uh, we did. That was last session, right? No, it was a couple sessions ago. I can teleport through stone now. That's right. I'm very excited about it. Yeah. 
It's kind of teleporting. More like Earth. Okay, don't take this away from me. Don't you, do it. You didn't say anything. I know. I'm aware. <laughs> Why you gotta ruin it for me? Because I'm the GM. Don't be that guy. I'm that kind of GM right now. <laughs> Either way, at level 17, I would say that, as regards, do we see this in our play as well? I would say yes and no. Yes, it's true. And, and I know no, that says absolutely true. nothing without explanation. So, <laughs> um, Basically, Nate, there's nothing wrong with the game. This is exactly how it's supposed to be. Um, whether or not something succeeds is not always going to be quite as much of an issue as it is with... You mentioned that you come from a Dungeons & Dragons background. Uh, comparing this to a D20 system where every outcome on the die has the exact same chance of happening, um, when you compare it to a 3D6 system where the most common rolls are going to be 9, 10, 11, it kind of creates a bell curve. Extreme rolls are still possible, but Chris Brame has kind of built it in my with the idea that a person who has like a 5 strength and a focus on heavy blades who is obviously very physically uh, physically able and has trained in it, is probably going to be able to hit someone with a sword if he swings it. And that's that's perfectly fine. That is exactly how it should be going. Uh, and you mentioned that armor does play a big role in the combat system as well, and it's absolutely true. Um, well, I was going to explain a yes or no, but it looks like that got taken care of. Oh. Why it was yes and no. But did I get everything? No. But no. I was going to explain it. And then, but I didn't get to keep explaining it. Oh. Well, i sorry. It's okay. I still like you. <laughs> I still like you, too. I'm sorry. I still your thunder. But, uh, I, basically a lot of that is true. The mm -hmm. fact that the, uh, the numbers are designed to sort of indicate the fact that if you're that skilled in something, you're probably not going to mess it up. There are a couple of ways to deal with this one is to just be cool with it and be aware that the higher level you go the more relevant stunts become and the more commonplace stunts become not so much i mean okay not technically because the number of rolls you're going to make that are going to come up doubles is still the same but they're going to have a more like a more notable impact on your game and on the way people play their classes because after a while you start rolling to see if you're going to hit with stunts instead of whether or not you just hit. Uh, a couple of ways to deal with this is um, one way that we've dealt with it with spells is, uh, you know, I, if you've noticed as spells get into higher levels, they have higher target numbers. So I'm at a certain point with my mage where the vast majority of the spells that I have, I need to roll maybe a five or less to actually cast it successfully. We have a... Uh... Several animal companion podcasters in the room with us. Why? One of which found a uh, very crinkly thing to find to uh, step upon. We will extract them. This is our our not so little anymore cat BB. Giant. Giant. Giant, giant kitten. Big old kitten. But um, I think that. Also, there was uh, there we've seen a couple of ways to alter spells that are that we didn't have we talked about that a little bit. Yeah, the uh, spell modifications. Yeah, the spell yeah. modifications. That is, for example, a really good way to keep uh, spell casting from stagnating in that way, and to keep it a little bit dangerous is you can add more effects at the cost of a higher target number. And uh, there's also like you are the GM, so if you feel like people hitting all the time is not particularly exciting for your game or doesn't match what you wanted, 
you can always look at about how like the averages for your characters and then make the uh, defenses sort of hike up the defenses to whatever best suits your fancy. Keep in mind that armor is still a big deal. Oh yeah. So them being able to hit more often is probably wise, especially if the enemy in question has a high armor rating. Definitely. We talked about that later episode, actually. Yeah. Yeah. How that's going to affect your encounters. Um, also, Nate, you mentioned that um, it sounded like uh, Nate was playing a one-on-one game where the only player they had was a warrior. Hmm. You should definitely get some more players in there. It gets a lot more exciting when you, especially when you got a rogue and a mage. Going yeah, around. getting a solid set of three is a good good call. Mm-hmm. That's what we've got going right now, and it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I would definitely say our combats are not boring. There, there are many things, and boring is not one of them. Nope. One way to also, just in case you're worried about the boring aspect because mm-hmm. you're always hitting, there are plenty of, uh, as long as, it depends on what kind of group you've got, but if you've got a particularly role-play heavy group or a group that is uh, into theatrics, perhaps, <laughs> no one in our group like that. No one. But then ridiculous things can happen, even though the numbers, you know, you're rolling the dice the same way. It's like, I uh, jump on the dragon's back. We actually made a roll for that one. Yeah, we did. That's fun. She jumped on the dragon's back, and then it flew up, and she really wasn't expecting that at that moment, and <laughs> it got really dangerous really quickly. Oh, yeah. But because you know, and she was still hitting pretty regularly, but we weren't treating it like a, uh, you know, just hit button sword swings. It's uh, it's much more fluid, and the fact that the rules are not nearly so. Uh, Stringent and specific means that it really allows for that fluidity. Hmm. On both sides of the GM screen, definitely. Absolutely. <laughs> she doesn't want to podcast anymore. She doesn't want to do it. Well, could you... If, if I put you down, hmm. you're going to scratch at the door and cry until we open. <laughs> I don't want to be a wonder if they does. <laughs> She's very cute. She is a wonder if they does. Yeah, this is... Uh... We're, we're the worst kind of podcast. It's like, look at this cute animal you can't see. Yep. It's so great. We're going to talk about it a lot. We should post pictures of her on the on something. We should post pictures of the cat. Got all kinds of things to post on. Anyway. <laughs> uh, do we want to say anything else? Um, uh, that's stuff? pretty much it for me on that one. Definitely. Get some more players. You have to get some more players in, especially if you've got only a warrior going on. A lot of it's probably going to end up feeling like a point and click. Kind oh, of yeah. And I think, I honestly, I don't think I would enjoy the warrior as much mm. as I enjoy mage. Because Fair mage enough. mage comes with a whole slew of options. Because Ooh, you have as many those. combat tactics as you have spells. It's true. And at this point, I have a lot of spells. Level 17, you got a lot of options. They're all they're all pretty interesting. Uh-huh. So, means that I can really shake things up. Indeed. And uh, bring some life into the process. Not that my allies mm. don't make everything interesting, even whether or not I'm present. So. Right. I hope that was helpful, Nate. Uh, thank you, Nathelm. Uh, thank you for your question. Uh, if you, listening to this podcast, have a question about the Dragon Age RPG, or Dragon Age in particular, and how it relate, and uh, how the lore of Thetis uh, relates to the RPG, anything you got, send us a message to oneisothetispodcast at gmail.com. Send it to us through our Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, Google+, or SoundCloud accounts, or you can send a personal message to Cod the Protector on the Green Running forums. That's me. So, that was a nice, meaty question. It was. We like meaty questions. We like meaty questions. Send us more. Send us more. We'll answer them on the podcast. But um, why don't we go ahead and move on to our next topic. We'll uh, open our books to The Dissonant Verses.
Do you ever wonder what lies at the edges of the map, past the seas? No. I think we have enough to worry about on this continent. Uh, of course, but... <sighs> Welcome to the Distant Verses. We got a cool one for you today. This submission... <coughs> that sickness is still kind of present. Always, it sounds like it, it always will be. Yeah. You're fine. I'm just going to sound like I have tuberculosis all the no. time. Hey. So what is this submission? The submission comes from, through our, came through our email from a fine gentleman named Joe Nolan. Thank you, Joe. The super cool dude wrote the old, uh, rewrote the old PDF uh, Tomb of the Cirrus that was written for the Age system a few years ago, back when Dragon Age was still kind of when still Dragon Age still came in boxes. They are depositing the cat to the hallway. Has been demoted from podcaster. You were saying. <laughs> Um, for those of you who know what the Tomb of the Cirrus was, it was an old, if you don't know what it was, it was an old uh, part of a series that uh, Green Ronin started called Battle and Loot, which was mm. supposed to be back when Dragon Age still came in boxes, and they just called it the Age System. So it was meant to be a very, like, setting neutral adventure. Mm -hmm. Joe Nolan went ahead and made it not setting neutral. It Ooh. now is a Dragon Age adventure. It takes place in the, uh, goodness, the Ferelden city of Guarin, and he adapted the plot hook for the adventure to match the Dragon Age theme and I've taken a quick look through it it's he he got a, some really good stuff in there it sounds super exciting uh -huh. he really he caught it he did a great job <laughs> of capturing the Dragon Age feel it definitely gives like you've got two warring factions and mm -hmm. you're picking between and neither of them are good but which one do you side with that's very Dragon Age oh yeah everybody's a jerk who is yeah. less jerk not to mention that uh, he used the gift of blood vengeance from the esoteric of Thetis Mm. Who happen to be the villains in our campaign? They are. Mm hmm. So, uh, good taste, Mr. Nolan. Good taste. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're jerks. They are. They are definitely they're jerks. They're big, smelly jerks, and they're, I don't care for them. They're jerks in my adventure, too. Yeah, we're having to deal with that. You know. Right now, they're just. Uh, World shattering jerks. Yeah. Get out, Mathetus. Get out, Mathetus. So, um, Joe Nolan has been kind enough to polish up a nice PDF for us. He's offering it to the community for literal use or adjustment as you see fit. The PDF that we have is actually going to be part one of a two-part adventure. We hope he will share with us the second part soon. Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Can't just leave everybody on a cliffhanger. Yes. I mean, I guess that's the point of a cliffhanger, but... Well, yeah. Eventually, you have <laughs> to drop off the cliff and fly right. or fall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'd be a good time. Um, if I recall correctly, um, Joe said that he ran this uh, adventure for some uh, for soldiers actually, because he was he was he himself was deployed in the Middle East in 2014, and he ran it for some buddies over there. Oh wow, that's really yeah, cool. that's really cool. It's good to know that Dragon Age is providing mm -hmm. some uh, fun for people who sorely need it. Yeah, he he told us that it. Uh, it was a nice bridging point between people who had never played RPGs before and folks, uh, in his words. Um, got their PhDs in 3.5 from Gygax University. <laughs> yeah, I don't know anybody like that. Don't know anybody like that. We definitely don't have friends who know where every single spot of ink on every D&D page is. I love the book of Exalted. <laughs> <laughs> I think you were probably the only one. Well, I have a whole thing about that. We can talk about that in the post-show. <laughs> post-show, there we go. Okay, we got I some have many things to say about that in the post-show. <laughs> Anyway, um, you can find Joe Nolan's PDF in our resources for your game page on our blog, wondersathetispodcast.wordpress.com. You can also find all the other submissions that we've had 
for our uh, Dissonant Verses on that page. If you'd like to let us know about some custom Dragon Age RPG content or send us your own, you can send a message to podcast at gmail.com, send it to us through our Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, Google+, or SoundCloud accounts, or you can send a personal message through Copy Protector on the Green Running forums. That's me. It's still you. Still me. Always it, always. it was you a little while ago, and it continues mm-hmm. to be you. It was me for the past 12 episodes. It still is. It'll probably be you later, too. It probably will be me for the next 12 episodes as well. I'm going to go ahead and call it. <laughs> so... Cool stuff. Thank you, Joe. Thank you, Nathel. Yeah, thank you so much. So, we're going to get to our meat and potatoes today. Excellent. We're going to talk about uh, throwing dragons at people, by which I mean making encounters exciting. This is our main topic for today. Is it So you want to make encounters exciting. Mm. Please this do. Is, this is such a great system for this. Oh yeah, definitely. Dragon Age has got a lot of freedom, especially for the GM, to really just tweak everything the way tweak everything he or she or they need the way they need it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, as you probably have guessed, this is going to be a fairly uh, <coughs> this is going to be a fairly GM focused episode. So players. Stick around, and you can and, uh, learn a bit of the process of making and what goes on behind that GM screen. Yep. I'm a player and not a GM. I, uh, I like sticking around and learning about this stuff because it helps us circumvent it. I mean, I like to help the GM come up with creative ideas, and I'm definitely not circumventing any of your traps or tricks. See, Nug Meg agrees with me. No, she was disagreeing with you. You don't know that. That's a disagreeing squeak. No, that's a happy squeak. That's mm-hmm. a squeak of approval. So, um, encounters are the action and drama of any RPG, and Dragon Age, of course, is no exception. Mm-hmm. When the weapons come out, when the battle of wits commences, or when the PCs get lost in the woods, you have an encounter. The PCs must overcome a challenge. So, what we're going to do today is we're going to give you some suggestions for how to build encounters and some ideas to help spring your inspiration forth. There are infinite ideas for building encounters, so go ahead and get expi- get inspired. Just about any scene from a movie, a book, a video game can be interpreted as an encounter. Take special note of which encounters are which. Uh, Sam and Frodo and navigating the wilderness while trying to follow Gollum would make quite a few exploration encounters. That would be quite a few exploration encounters. Quite, a, quite some deadly ones, too. Boy, it's just unpleasant. <laughs> uh, the Battle of Wits from The Princess Bride is a classic role-playing encounter. Absolutely. Uh, good stuff. Mm-hmm. And whenever lightsabers come out in Star Wars, that's a combat encounter. Mm-hmm. So, um, what makes encounters tick? We're going to start with the basics of what makes an encounter. There are two major aspects of every encounter that need to be present for it to be an encounter. And of course, this isn't set in stone. This is our interpretation. We aren't uh, we aren't professors on this, but no. <laughs> so the basics: two things that every encounter needs to have. The first thing every encounter needs to have is a clear objective. Your encounter should have a why. Why are we doing this encounter? It can be something like get to the door, protect something or someone, defeat all enemies, take someone alive, find the thing, navigate dangerous wilderness, survive until the specified time, convince the NPC to join your cause, scare off the nosy Templar, slay the archdemon, escort the NPC, make a good impression, investigate the murder scene. And my personal favorite. Follow that nug. You'll notice that all of these different objectives... They they definitely are they're specific. 
in uh, or can be made specific like for a specified time you would mm. have a situation that they need mm. to survive for so long <laughs> many of these are particularly specific they tell you exactly what needs to be done yes. for this to for this to succeed mm-hmm. and they run like this particular set of examples really runs the gamut of mm. uh, between exp- exploration and combat and role playing oh yeah every encounter yes. needs a why Absolutely. So, uh, the second aspect that all encounters need is adversity. An objective that has nothing to stop the PCs is not an encounter. Uh, Adversity is whatever force is preventing the PCs from achieving the objective. These are the forces to fight. These are the rivals to outwit, the natural hazards, and the target numbers. So, uh, also, let's see, um, incidentally, when you're designing this part, which is going to be the most uh, intensive part that you are are Mm -hmm. devising... The objective should come out, obviously. Make sure that the adversity is not going to overshadow it, because most of your work will go into the adversity, but make sure that while you're designing the adversity, you don't lose the objective. Because a lot of a lot of encounter design can start with the adversity before the objective is, in, is introduced, uh, or the, before the objective is even known, maybe to, even to the encounter designer. So make sure that one can be implemented. There is no encounter if these two elements are not both present. If the PCs have no objective, then the adversity is pointless, and they could be like, why are we doing this encounter? Or you just walk around it. If the PCs have no adversity, then there's no struggle. Why would you even roll a target? Right, exactly. So make sure you don't have both, and make sure both of them are obvious and clear, and they don't overshadow each other. They're both integral. Make sure you have them both. Now, for levels of difficulty, if you wanted to make it a particularly simple thing something they might have an easy time with mm-hmm. you could have significantly more objective than adversity yes and if you want to show them just having to slog through something miserable but that they absolutely you know they still have to get through it mm-hmm. you could make the adversity more prevalent than the objective but you have to be careful with that one because mm-hmm. you lose enough of your lore your players are going to jump off your hook and go elsewhere yeah it's a bit of it's a balancing act, and sometimes the scale is going to be farther on one end. Mm-hmm. And that's the way it should be. Definitely, because life has easy things and hard things. Uh-huh. Now, most of the encounters that you design are going to stop there. They have adversity, and they've got a clear objective. And that's okay. There, are, you can that that keeps things nice and quick and simple, and, and helps the players, you know, uh, hammer out a couple encounters, grab some experience, keep going, so they can get ready for the next challenges. There are other elements you can add to the encounter to make a good encounter become a great encounter. Mm-hmm. A third dimension, if you will. A third dimension. A third axis. We call these complications. They uh, take Complications take several forms, and we're going to generalize them into three broad umbrellas. Uh, the first broad umbrella of complications we're calling ambient complications. Uh, ambient complications are usually incidental particulars of an encounter, such as like you know, the like the combat that you're taking place uh, that's taking place happens to be in complete darkness or in really heavy snow. Maybe the PCs have to uh, perform interviews in some kind of investigation, but the tavern that they're in is noisy and crowded. Or um, perhaps they have to go debate with some nobles in a court that just already doesn't like you. Mm-hmm. These are fairly light complications that the PCs can use to <laughs> simply add a bit more danger, a bit more hectic, a bit more make it more uh, hectic atmosphere, make mm-hmm. it more difficult to control. Yeah, one 
thing I would definitely point out that makes a complication an ambient complication. You said that they were incidental. I think that's important that they're mm-hmm. incidental and they're not very they're not directed at the PCs. Mm-hmm. Those are other these complications are, later on. Yep, these are things that are not dire- like it's not happening because you have mm-hmm. that encounter. Yes, it's already happening regardless of whether or not mm-hmm. the encounter is involved. So, you have, for example, having you know dark or snow. It's not snowing because you're fighting, but it is complicating your fight. Mm-hmm. So that's that's an important distinction I think to make sure. That's if you want point. it to be an ambient complication. That's a good point. Uh, well, sometimes these ambient complications can also be adjusted by PC actions or even turned against their foes. Snowballs. Snowballs. <laughs> yes. Saying. Yes. And incidentally, that can lead to encounter-specific stunts, which is what we put into ambient complications. So if we... Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to... I'm probably going to have to write an encounter. Yeah. <laughs> also hilarity. Also hilarity. Three stun point stunt, Snowball. Scoop up, some snow, scoop up some snow, throw it out. As I say, you spend three more stun points on it, you put a rock in it. Awesome. <laughs> uh, so, if you incidentally, if you've got uh, encounter-specific stunts, please let your players know right away. Yeah, it's there's. it would be quite frustrating to uh, get halfway through something and be wanting to do something the whole time, and then the GM be like, oh, by the way, you can do this, mm-hmm. and it's pretty much exactly what you were wanting to do. Yes. It's frustrating, but... Now, uh, last episode we talked about, incidentally, the last episode we talked about um, one of Parsifal's suggestions uh, mentioned uh, making stunts into cards. Hmm. I don't know if you, I don't know if you heard about that. I did not. It was, kinda, was it was, it was a cool idea. Yeah, I was not available for that mm-hmm. one. Feeling under the weather, right? Yeah. A little under the weather. We all kind of were. Last week was bad. Last week was not great. <laughs> But uh, that sounds but, um, like a really cool yeah. thing. Incidentally, Parsifal, if you want, that'd be a great way to introduce new stunts to an stunts to an encounter. Is taking a brand new card that you just printed out and bam, tossing it down the table. New stunt today, guys. I really like that idea. That's, <laughs> that's really cute, actually. Yeah. So, Parsifal, if you if you write that card stunt system, we should probably include. Might you uh, including that part could be a lot of fun. Do it. It'd be great. Anyway, <laughs> moving right along. We'll go to the second umbrella of complications for your encounters, which we're calling hazardous complications. These are like ambient complications, but to a more deadly degree. Um, they could be a rough river that carries away the PCs, or it could even drown them. Heavy smoke that the PCs have to fight in, or they have to um, find something in that is choking them. Uh, a small room that is filling with water, and they have to maybe get past like a puzzle door to get the door to not drown. Uh, and of course, thing, uh, traps that reset themselves. These complications can directly harm or kill the PCs on their own if they are not avoided or dealt with. Mm-hmm. They're like ambient complications, but unlike ambient complications, just kind of increase the difficulty or add extra nuance to the encounter. While hazardous complications are actually attacking your PCs. Yeah, it's a pain. The first is a pain in the keister. The second one may make the encounter irrelevant because mm-hmm. you might just die from the complication. Correct. These can sometimes be the adversity on their own, especially for like a small a small trap room that's filling with water. That's plenty of adversity for most PCs. That's actually a whole encounter in and of itself. Mm-hmm. It's true. Now, these are going to be best represented by traps and hazards from the core rulebook. But like ambient complications, sometimes these can be mitigated by PC actions or potentially used against foes, such as if the encounter happens to include like canisters filled with Gatlock. Mm-hmm. PCs got a fire spell. 
they could shoot they they could or even an arcane lance could shoot those gatlocks and make an explosion and one actual like example that occurred in our game mm-hmm. a, a short while ago was that we were having a major fight in the top of a tree a yes. like couple hundred foot tree yeah. if one were to say get uh, skirmished out of that tree that's pretty much character death that and um, bad. it was very dangerous but we were able to make that something to use to our advantage because I had just gotten the glyph of repulsion and that was pretty good timing yeah you got rid of a couple of people pretty quick but um, so that's one that's a really good example of a hazardous complication that was that could go either way. Yes, definitely. And it's always good to make sure that it can go either way, but be careful because if it can go either way and it's super deadly, it may end something a little more quickly than you wanted it to. It's true. Very true. You gave them dexterity tests that didn't end it too quickly. Yeah, I think it was like dexterity, acrobatics, or strength climbing. Yeah, to hang was, on. That was what I was going to give you yeah. guys if you guys got pushed off. Yeah, which made it... a was actually a good balancing factor mm. because it made it dangerous. Yeah. But not well. Next. And I think I also ruled that uh, if they were already holding onto a ledge and they got pushed again, that was it. Yeah, you can't really do anything about that. Yeah. But that's a good example. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the final umbrella of complications we are calling tactical complications. Now these are in comp- complications that can keep the encounter from feeling just like a slugfest, where we just kind of take turns kicking each other in the shin until one of us falls over. Mm-hmm. Uh, these are the plans of attack that the adversity uses in an encounter. They utilize terrain. They bring special gear to the encounter. They have ability combinations that synergize very well. The, the adversity has a very specific plan that makes them more dangerous in this particular environment. Like, for example, murder holes open up in the ceiling, and the enemies fire on the PCs with crossbows while they're currently engaging mm-hmm. in melee. A lone NPC fights the PCs valiantly, but retreats through small corridors, bringing angry PCs through several trapped areas. Darkspawn ambush the PCs, and as they fight, they push the PCs closer and closer to a steep ravine, which actually happens in... Um, spoilers? The, uh, spoilers? I guess. Yeah, yeah happens in spoilers <laughs> it's like the first encounter that happens in spoilers in spoilers anyway <laughs> um maybe the noble that you guys have to talk to has some dirt on the pcs and plans to bring it up during this public speech by bringing up a public speech by the heroes um a thing about that like that is differentiated like i was speaking mm-hmm. earlier about from ambient and hazardous mm-hmm. is that this is happening directly because the encounter is happening yes these are things that are happening because the PCs are there. These are PC-oriented complications. Yes. Because the PCs are here, this is why this guy is pulling out all these firebombs. Yep. So, we have told you uh, good things to put into an encounter. We're going to talk about things that are not good to put in, in put in encounters. These are going to just be a couple of don'ts, just some things to try and avoid as best you can. And like the first one is going to be a, kind of a... I guess, what's the word, um, pet peeve of mine? Hmm. Square rooms. <laughs> if you just draw a square, put the PCs on one side, the bad guys on the other, <laughs> they're just going to charge to the middle and fight. That's boring. Don't do it. Draw something else in the room. You can put rocks or furniture or rubble, grass, dirt, some boxes, some stairs. Just put something in there. Um, even if the terrain's effect on the encounter is negligible, at least tell the PCs where they are, what they're and mm-hmm. what they're dealing with. 
I mean, I guess if you're like in an underground in an underground cavern system or a dungeon, then it kind of makes sense if you're only got a square room. But maybe maybe some water's trickling in from over there. Maybe there's some nasty moss against the wall. Mm, some structural integrity issues mm-hmm. in one of the corners. Yeah. Put something else in there. Square rooms. I mean, I guess I guess square rooms are okay sometimes, but I don't know. Square rooms bug me. <laughs> Just boring. I'm sitting in one right now. Oh God! No, this room isn't square. It's got it's got encounter. It's got terrain. Oh, that's it. true. It does have terrain. Got terrain in it. Yep. Mm-hmm. I take it back. <laughs> um, another thing you should definitely avoid. Oh, try to avoid. One. Yeah, one against many. Mm-hmm. When you make a super cool villain, it can be really tempting to build them really big and powerful and have them take on all the PCs single-handedly in a glorious struggle to the death. This re- the reality often does not live up to the hope. Yeah, if you've played enough uh, RPGs, or particularly JRPGs, you or watched enough anime, you may have this idea that this is going to be the way it's going to be super cool, it's going to be awesome, they're going to be dead real quickly. Yeah, it in tabletop RPGs, it doesn't quite work that way. Yeah, it, unfortunately. It can. It's generally a poor decision. You it gotta tweak can it. Work. Yes. Um, because there's there's just, there's a couple of principles that this is just not going to work with. Because while the villain gets one turn, the heroes all get a turn. In my group, that means that if I've got one guy fighting all my PCs at once, the PCs have got three turns to take against their one. The PCs are almost always going to come out on top in that in that case. Especially if if, uh, <laughs> if somebody's got debilitating stuff that maybe this guy's not so good, this guy or gal or person is not so good at uh, being able to deal with, that encounter is going to go down pretty harsh. Like if the mage starts locking someone with a with a mind blast spell. I'm not sure what you're referring to. Mm-hmm. No one does that. Mm-hmm. Who does that? Not me. That's not a me thing. Definitely not. So you know they is... should have strength might. You know what? If they had a problem with it, have strength might. Hmm. Well, this applies for both combat and role-playing encounters, incidentally. Um, it's pretty obvious in a role in a combat encounter. In a role-playing encounter, it's easier to be, be easier to mitigate, but if you've got like one incredibly charismatic person who's trying to talk down all the PCs, but all the PCs get a chance to like mm-hmm. make tests against the advanced tests to try and beat the big NPC to the big end, like race them to the end, then they're gonna get outdone. Yeah, advanced tests with multiple people on one side tend to right. go one way really quickly. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, so for role-playing encounters, allowing a limited number of PCs a chance to speak in some kind of form at a time works. It's easier to kind of easier to do, kind of like if you um, take into account the social situation and like where the PCs are and what's acceptable and who can talk, whose turn is it to talk. It's a bit trickier to do in combat, so just be mm. ready for it. There are several ways to even the playing field if you are going to do one versus many, and trust me, temptation is great. Hmm. Even in here. We've done it. Yes. He's pulled it off in ways that have made Mm. it extremely difficult, and here are some of the ways he's done it. Yes. Um, Don't over-level the villain. Making them simply overwhelming is just going to cause frustration. Like if they've got like a 12 strength, and they've got a 12 magic, and all their spells have at least a 22 spell uh, test test resistant. Yes. Spell power, and that's not including any focuses. PCs are just going to get bored and, 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 and annoyed. <laughs> just going to walk. Especially if the dude's got controlling spells. Mind Blast. Target number 26, strength, te- strength might test to resist. Ugh. Yeah, no one's getting around that. 
moving around. That's not fun. Um, so just don't don't make them too big. Don't make them too big. And you can you can see the numbers. The numbers are pretty simple. You can it's it's easy to work with. Um, another possible way to make sure another way to, a way to uh, even playing field is to add underlings. Mm-hmm. The vil- maybe the villain shouldn't fight alone. Uh, maybe the villain doesn't have any underlings at the beginning of the fight, but they come to his aid as the fight goes on. Um, we had that with um, the final boss of Act One for the campaign. She was jumping uh, around shooting you guys, uh, but then she kept some having shadows pop out of the ground. So you guys had so that was a pain. That was pretty nasty. Um, adding complicate add complications that the villain is either protected from or immune to. And these can be things that can be turned around against the boss, or these can be things that just kind of are there to make the PC's day hectic, like maybe... The, the aura that does the damage to right. all enemies. Uh-huh. Or maybe like That's some nonsense. fighting a master level force mage or guardian who is immune to like things like skirmishing and knocking prone, but having you fight in the middle of a hurricane. Yeah, oh, that would be nice. I like that. <laughs> yeah, so just, like, they can stand perfectly fine because they can control they can control their body that way. But then the PCs are rolling just around. Rolling all around this field. <laughs> yeah, you can't even catch them. Like, Come back here. I must defeat you. <laughs> Sounds awesome. <laughs> okay. You should do it to somebody else. <laughs> you should do it to somebody else. Well, I mean, you could do it to us, but I mean, uh, one not. of our party is going to be able to... Correct, but then there's two party members down and only one fight leader. You know what? Force field. (laughs) Screw it. There we go. Well, you can't do anything when you're... You can do stuff to me. Are you kidding me? I can kind of do stuff to you in a force field. Force field and spell shield. Force field and spell... What about if I cast dispel magic at you? What does that do? It's not going to work on spell shield. Well, I'll just cast a bunch of really expensive spells at you. (laughs) That will work. I was hoping you wouldn't figure that out. Just cast all the really expensive spells. Because every time I get hit with a spell, it's with spell shield. Uh When you get hit by a spell, you pay the mana instead of getting hurt by the spell. And so you can just run the other mage's mana into the ground. Oh, yeah. Run it into the ground. Just cast all the big spells at them. If you got more than one mage, have them start burning that spell shield. But uh, one thing I would add to this list Mm -hmm. for evening the playing field Mm -hmm. is uh, it's sort of similar to what a friend of mine used to do to make sure that with one enemy, everybody was able to do something and was mm. able to fight them, and it wasn't a fight that was five seconds long. Right. Is bump armor and bump hit points. Yes. Bump them significantly if you have to. Yes. Remember that you are the only one who is looking at the stat block. Mm-hmm. If you have a boss and you think you've got them pretty solidly built and they go down in two rounds, maybe they had a whole extra 100 hit points waiting in the wings. We don't know. Yeah, PCs don't know what's on their uh, GM screen. This is why I'm a big fan of GM screens. Yep. You can because you can control the the drama. Yep. It is not up to you to follow the dice religiously. It is up to you to make a good experience. Mm-hmm. Called GM fiat. Look it up. It's not cheating. We are enhancing the experience, mm-hmm. making it more fun. Exactly. Let's see. Uh, what else we got here? Um, special gear. Yes. Give the villain special gear or abilities. Um, take a page from D&D, I think it's Five's Boss Encounters, and give them extra actions. If I recall, I think they get, like, legendary actions, where they can basically perform more actions than normally. Mm. Mythic or, Pathfinder um, allows this as yes. well. Yes. Um, and they also have, like, lair actions, where their lair does stuff to the PCs. But that can also be inter- interpreted as a hazardous complication, mm-hmm. or even just an ambient complication. 
Or another possibility, uh, give them, let's say, uh, if you really want to boost their uh, boost their ability or give them some extra efficiency, maybe the boss gets free stun points every round that they can spend. Yeah, that can work too. Mm-hmm. Gives them a bit more oomph, but doesn't necessarily give them too much oomph. Mm-hmm. But if they roll extra stun points, then they get to do a lot of oomph. That does increase the possibilities for oomph. Oomph. It's or oomph. It's a noun. It's a noun, though. <laughs> um, so you're going to basically want to get the PCs to divide their attention off the villain so the, that they can't focus fire on this villain. However, let's say whatever count, whatever encounter you've got. Mm-hmm. Another option for that particular idea, mm-hmm. dividing attention off the villain. If you've got PCs who are particularly uh, sort of altruistic, put some, you know, put some orphans in a fire. Put some danger, you know, some innocent in danger. Mm-hmm. Tactical complications. Yeah. Have something, or have something where if one PC is not constantly holding this lever, then the dam will burst and it will oh. flood the town. <laughs> like, ah, you know, clever. give them something that makes them have to not, you know, it'll take somebody out of the fight. They can switch maybe even, but it's not, it means that at all times it's not going to be three on one. Or in other people's case, you know, four or five on one. All right. You know, stuff happens. Stuff's weird. So, um, move on to the next thing that you do not want to do when you're in counter building is you don't want to build against the PCs. Oh, yeah. Please don't do this. Don't be that guy. Don't be that gal. Don't be that person. Um, if the PCs have like gained new abilities that make you nervous, don't build against them. One of the mages just got fireball. Suddenly all the villains are fire-resistant armor and dexterity acrobatics. Sucks. Awful. Don't do that. It's neat. Yeah, your, your mage is going to wonder why they bothered taking the spell. Correct, yeah. It creates not only bad feelings that the PCs are feeling cheated, but can also cause an arms race. Uh, with both sides trying to overpower the, each other, each mm-hmm. other, which is just going to make, which is just going to guarantee that the problem exacerbates itself. This can also leave some players behind if they're not getting into the arms race, like they're here for the role play, they're not here for the mechanical challenge. But then they can feel like underpowered in the challenges that you've boosted to deal with the more powerful PCs who are in this arms race with you. This is just a bad scene. Yeah, it it's not cute. It's not fun. It's it just. The moment any sort of us versus them comes into play, you need to take a step back mm-hmm. and talk to your players. Yes. Figure out why you're having this issue and resolve it before you start to build for them. It's true. Because it will just end badly. Yeah. You're just going to hurt some folks are going to get the feelings hurt. I mean, I imagine there are groups that start out with that dynamic. Mm. And if that's a dynamic that you and your group are comfortable with, then more power to you. Oh, but absolutely. the vast majority don't get into that dynamic consciously. And when they do, it becomes a bad scene. So can, avoid it. Can take break apart parties and real friendships if you yeah. guys are not careful. Friendships are valuable. Absolutely. Definitely more valuable than uh, beating up that PC who just got fireball. Yeah. I like my friends. Yes. So don't do it. Don't do it. Hmm. Uh, next thing we're going to talk about is don't be repetitive. It's kind of obvious, but mix things up a bit. If you've been throwing a lot of the same challenges at players, uh, throw into something new into the mix. If the pieces are whizzes at picking locks, throw a trap on that lock to make it more interesting. 
Uh, the PC's Masters of Persuasion give them a noble that they need to sway who's under the control of a blood mage, boosting the target number or requiring cunning to dispel the control mm. before you can actually persuade them. I'll be looking for that. <laughs> you don't say. Uh, maybe the coterie thugs that the PCs have been tangling with this whole time and just pounding into the ground just got a new supplier. Equips them with bombs that they now open combats with. <laughs> that would be a surprise for your PCs. Good morning, player characters. Boom! Okay, now we fight. Yep, so keeping things interesting. Keep your players on their toes. Yeah, keep your players on your toes. Break those expectations. Mm-hmm. Go for it. Make sure they still feel like they can do things, though. Absolutely, Again. yeah. yeah. It's yeah. like... You shouldn't, they, every, with that fireball example, everybody shouldn't have fire-resistant armor, dexterity, acrobatics, but neither should they all be covered in gasoline. Yes. There's Correct. a balance here. <laughs> yes. Correct. Um, another thing you want to try and avoid is overusing advanced tests. Advanced tests are great. I love advanced They're tests. They're awesome. Honestly, I kind of overuse them. But not like in specific encounters. Mm-hmm. Um, use over use advanced tests sparingly, as they can get very tedious if they're used too often. They're meant to determine like how long it takes a PC to complete something. And um, if in the, if you come up with an encounter and you just got an advanced test, then it's just going to be a bunch of die rolls, and that can get and um, it can be fun the first time once you guys start learning how to use them. Um, but once the PCs come up against another another uh, success threshold 25 uh, advanced test that they have to roll against. Um, and it's just them rolling against the advanced test. That's kind of boring. At um, the very least, you know, start describing how things are, like, yeah. who's doing what? How are they mm-hmm. doing it? What's causing the die roll? Yeah. Advanced tests, however, do make excellent backdrops for con- and context for larger adventures. Sort of like a, like a progress bar. You can use them like um, when, like we're using in my campaign, where once the PCs hit certain thresholds with certain advanced tests, then things happen uh, that are going to either like try to stop the advanced test from going, or they could potentially help the advanced test if the PCs make a tough moral decision. Things like that. Uh, make sure that they stay in the background of the real action. Don't let advanced tests overtake things. We have right now, I'd say at least for the past two adventures. We've had um, a list of advanced tests that I put up on our television screen, and mm-hmm. uh, we and we keep track of how far each one is. I post like I put the target number up there. I put up their current progress, and I put out the tests that they can use to perform that advanced test. Certain days pass, you know, mm-hmm. takes a certain amount of time. Yes. And when we are doing these tests, very frequently we'll describe how we're doing them or how we're benefiting them or what mm-hmm. we're doing to make them happen. And interspersed throughout these days of tests are events. Yes. Or even just, you know, awkward dinners or something. Yeah, just awkward role-playing encounters. You gotta have awkward role-playing encounters. Uh-huh. They're awesome. They're the best. Mm-hmm. Especially ones that involve slight romantic entanglements. Let's move forward. <laughs> um, next thing you want to try and avoid is putting too many complications in your game. Mm. One or two complications is probably going to be plenty for an encounter. Some groups may ask for more, some groups may ask for fewer. Um, you should talk to your players about how comfortable they feel with more complex encounters, or you may already know your players well enough and it won't be necessary to ask them. You can make an educated guess. Um, just be careful about what you're putting in and how much you're putting in. And, and uh, so, so um, don't forget that one of Dragon Age's pulls into the game is the simplicity of the game. 
Mm -hmm. Uh, That simplicity is meant to keep the game moving forward without too many gears to turn. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like if you have a cupcake and you're putting sprinkles on it. Mm -hmm. A certain amount of sprinkles is great. But there's a threshold past which you're just eating sprinkles. You're just eating a sprinkle salad on top of the cupcake. You're not eating the cupcake. You're eating the sprinkles. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Don't do that to your cupcake. Don't do that to your cupcake. There's a cake and icing under there. Yeah, appreciate your cake and icing. Here's the adversity. The adversity, the complications on top, the icing is the objective, and the the cake is the adversity. No, I feel like the okay. We're we're not going to go too far with this metaphor because we could. We, it's true. Post show. Post show. Post show. Post show. Maybe. Uh, Next thing you want to be very careful of is having defense armor or health through the roof. Mm-hmm. So, increasing defense, armor, and health, as we mentioned earlier, is going to make enemies more survivable. But keep in mind that it's going to make encounters last longer. If the enemies are harder to hit, if they've got more hit points to bite through, or they've got a lot of armor that's soaking up a lot of damage, the fight's going to feel like it's taken forever. Mm-hmm. And this is another one of those times when GM fiat really comes into mm-hmm. play. Yes. Because, like, you know, as I was saying, where you could add more hit points if they're don't going too quickly. Mm. If it's a just, if this is just a shin kicking fest where nothing is actually happening, feel free to reduce some hit points. I mean, yeah. you can't really reduce things like armor defense without certain players, you know, raising an eyebrow. Right. But hit points is one of those things where if you keep it nice and vague, they're not going to realize that maybe those hit points suddenly dropped off really quickly. Yeah. So. Again, GM Fiat. Yeah. Keep it keep it versatile. Mm-hmm. For boss fights, having high defense armor and health can make it make it better, but make it no no make it better. For a single person yeah. boss fight. Especially for single person boss fights. But if the PC if it's turning into a slug fest where the PCs are just walking up where everyone's just kind of walking up and slapping each other lots Fix and it's it. not going anywhere, then throw something else in there. Have a complication come in once the fight so once the fight started and keep things interesting. Maybe more people start showing up. Maybe the terrain changes. Maybe the weather changes. Maybe, uh, maybe I don't know, like demons come out. Maybe a rift opens. Maybe mm-hmm. maybe the Inquisitor shows up. Who knows? And I like the idea of making sure that if, for example, in this case, we're having they're having problems doing any damage, they can't hit, they can't get mm-hmm. through the armor, make a complication that they could creatively use to reduce one of one or two of those stats. Definitely, yeah. Or perhaps some sort of complication that can provide extra stunt points for the purpose of, oh, I don't know, Pierce Armor? Such mm-hmm. things, you know, things like that. Heck yes. Use your imagination. And players, if you got a cool idea that maybe it will make one of the numbers go down, let your GM know, especially if the encounter's taking a while. The GM may be just as excited to have the encounter end as you guys are. Oops. We're good. Let's see. Getting back to, all right. Next thing you really want to avoid is assumption clashes. The core book kind of already covers what these are, and let's see what they are worth repeating. Um, for those of you who don't remember or don't know in the first place, an assumption clash is when the GM says one thing and the player assumes another thing. Like the example they have in the book is that the GM says that they're that the guards that the thugs are a bunch of tough looking tough looking thugs. And what the GM means is that, that these folks are like carrying big weapons and they have thick armor on and they look like they have a combat experience. But what the player thinks is that they look like just a bunch of rough and tumble guys from the street. Yeah, maybe with, you know, rippling pectorals or something. Yeah, definitely. Offering to pump you up. <laughs> or yeah. flexing their Mabari tattoos and making them bark. That's awesome. <laughs> Carver, Carver Hall can do it, apparently. 
Good on him. Yeah. No, I wanted to see it, though. Hey, dude. <laughs> I kind of want to see a Mavari bark. Mavari tattoo bark as well. That'd be awesome. But, um... That, that is a major assumption clash. That is a major assumption. I have been a victim of assumption clashes before in various mm. and sundry games where a GM will say something vague in description and we will assume... Yes. Like, we, as a party, we will assume yeah. one thing and then we'll start fighting and it will be a terrible tactic for what the GM had in mind. Yes. It's particularly insidious because you don't notice them until it's too late. Mm-hmm. And then you guys have to backtrack, you have to call Mulligan, you have to yeah. maybe change some things about it, maybe take some actions back and skip it and go back a few turns back because the players wouldn't do those things. Yeah. The key here, I think, is just detail, detail, detail. Yes. Communicate. Be precise in your language. Mm-hmm. Write it down before you start, before you put it out there. Yep. If you've got, you know, maps and visual aids, help. Mm-hmm. Yes. If you don't those have help. those, you best be very, very good at describing yes. things. These can come up especially often in games that play in the theater of the mind, where they don't use maps, and they don't have a lot of visual aids, and they don't use miniatures. Um, Everybody sees things differently. Correct. So the GM is going to have to communicate extra carefully in a game like that, especially for things like exploration encounters, where you have to like, where you like have a murder scene, mm-hmm. or uh, where the pieces are like investigating a murder scene. You, the GM, has to have yeah. every detail down and has to communicate it exactly the way they need it so that all the pieces are on the same page and that's a Things huge like that. scenario for that it's true because you're not you know solving a murder is going to be extremely difficult if you're mm. looking at the wrong crime scene in your head yes if the pc assumes that if the pc assumes that you know maybe uh, maybe assumes that a, a footprint is in the wrong spot then that can throw the whole thing off maybe the pc thought mm-hmm. that, they, that the, the perpetrator exactly. went the wrong way or something and that can derail everything. So be careful. So uh, clear communication will fix everything right up. Yep. Usually does. Usually I mean, fixes everything. You up. might you might get a couple that just slide and mm-hmm. sneak through, but yeah, you could minimize them by being clear. Definitely. What we're saying is put some ability advancements into your communication score as a GM. Do it. And players who are <laughs> listening to this. Don't forget to ask questions. If you're not positive of what some sort of scene is looking like or what a certain enemy appears to be to your character, ask. Please do. Don't assume something you're not certain of. Mm. We don't want anyone's feelings hurt. It it just gets bad. Mm -hmm. I think as long as everybody's talking, we should be good. Yes, definitely. And finally, we've said this a couple times, but it bears repeating. Have some fun. Oh, yeah. Encounters are going to be the lifeblood of the excitement of RPGs, so make sure that you're having as much fun running the encounter as players will playing it. Encounter building is both a science and an art, and if, you, if you've if got a cool, incidentally, if you guys have something cool and cool encounter or an encounter idea that you're proud of and you've made it or maybe even written it down and put it in PDF form, send it to us. We it, would yeah. love to read it. Yeah, definitely. We'll read it. We'll put it on the podcast. We'll put it on our resources page for everyone to see. It means just more Dragon Age. Everybody loves more Dragon Everyone. Age. Yes. Especially us. Ugh, that was good. Yeah. Like yeah, that, that was good. That's a very important one to talk about. Yep. I'm really hoping that all you people out there can come up with some cool encounters and share them with us. Definitely. Because I, I don't know, it is, I like the art of it very much, and I love seeing the way other people create these situations mm-hmm. and how they expect their players to get out of them and... We just, we love seeing what you guys create. It makes us happy. Yes. 
So that's all we've got for this show today. If you want to stick around for the post show, that's absolutely fine. Um, it's probably just going to be silly. I mean, yeah. it's usually silly. Talk about silly stuff. What else we talk about? Yeah, I mean, that's all you're going to be missing is silly. Mm-hmm. So, thank you guys so thank you all so much for listening. This is Rem wishing lots of sixes on that dragon die. And this is Jessica wishing you good heels and happy fields. Thank you all so much for wa- for watching, <laughs> listening, and see, and blah, blah, and see. We'll catch you next time. Have a good night. See you or later. Afternoon, whenever you listen to this episode. Have a good time in which you are listening to our podcast and time afterwards. Bye. Bye. <laughs>
broken aspect. Potentially, yeah. I came in on Ian's uh, villain campaign. Well, that wasn't your. That wasn't Ian's well, fault or anybody's was, fault. Right, that wasn't Ian's fault. That wasn't anybody in there's fault. That was also. That was just a lot of bad. That luck. was just you not being able to roll anything above a five. It's true. It's true. And honestly, the first experience I had with D and D was not Ian's campaign. And the first experience I had was playing with folks in high school, and playing with folks who. Mm-hmm new Dungeons and Dragons. And I was coming in, I was like, I'm going to be an elf. I'm going to get a bow. I'm going to shoot some stuff. And then my friend has got, you know, this steam-powered, like, flesh golem pirate captain thing flattens me in he a single punch. He's had a punch. thing for flesh golems for a yeah, long time, that person. We love you, James. We love you much. We love you so much. But mm. flesh I'm, golems. You know, I miss, I miss being in Ian's campaigns, too. Those were a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That campaign, campaign ended... Pretty badly though for us. <laughs> it didn't you know, like Christopher well. Walken and a circle of rocks and that was weird. Yeah, yeah, and everybody died except for like you and I think one I just, other I think friend I, who got me resurrected. I think I just saw the encounter just walk away. <laughs> I think seriously, your character just left. Like, nope. <laughs> like, hmm. Uh uh-uh. I'm walking out of here. <laughs> that is probably the smartest. You were the smartest. Hmm. It was weird. It was cool. Yeah, it was fun. We just, we got really unlucky. I still had fun playing it. It was a blast. I've never, I've never played a game with that particular GM that I didn't enjoy. Yes, it was fun. We had a good time. Our friends are all very gifted at GMing. Oh, definitely. We have a lot of really good folks who know how to GM around around here. It's cool. Bloomington is a great place for that. It's true. It's true. Especially for our local Pathfinder Society scene. We have the best lodge. A lot of talented folks. It's super good. Mm-hmm. I'm, uh, You're about to hit your fifth star. I'm aren't about you? to hit my fifth GM star. That's exciting. That's really exciting. Yeah, I'll get my name announced at Gen Con 2017. If any of you come with us to the uh, big Pathfinder special, you might hear my name. You might. It will be. Probably will. Honestly, I've only got like two specials to run left. Yeah, you're running one of them on Monday. So. Right. One of them is going to come up on Monday. So very soon. I'm, cool. I'm going to guess that the other one will be. The following Monday, because everybody yep. wants you to have that fifth star. It will be that following Monday. It'll be a good time. It's exciting. Awesome. Didn't MJ get his last year, or was it two years ago? It was recently. It was two years. It wasn't at this last Gen Con. It was the one before that. Okay. 2015. Yeah. So we about got, a year ago. We got a couple five-star GMs uh, at, our, uh, at our lodge. We do. We got a sort of an abundance. Hmm. Pathfinder's fun. It is. Very different from Dragon Age. Yes, it's it's got some issues that Dragon Age doesn't because Dragon Age has that beautiful sort of simplicity and fluidity. Yes. Pathfinder has many great things. Mm-hmm. Simplicity and fluidity really are not no. in on that list. I love Pathfinder. Dragon Age is the one I wanted to make a podcast about. Yeah. Well, also Pathfinder's been Pathfinder's, done. Pathfinder's been done to death. And no one's doing Dragon Age. We are, as far as I can tell, we are the only Dragon Age po- or role-playing game podcast. Not the only Dragon Age podcast. There's no, couple, heavens no. There's a couple of Dragon Age podcasts out there and a couple of folks who check just do Bioware stuff. Yeah, definitely check them out. Um, and there was a podcast just before, and see, no, I wouldn't say just before. It was a couple of years before us um, called The Chant of Light. Oh. Um, they, they they were pretty cool. They had they actually had like a call-in line and everything. 
I'm, I'm kind of wondering oh. how, we can, how we can figure one of those out. We should probably get a little more popular first. Perhaps, yeah. Otherwise, we we'll just be sitting here with our call-in line for a while. <laughs> maybe, maybe like, my mom will call in. I think it was, like, um, calling in Hi, and, like, and leaving messages behind kind of deal instead of, like, calling in while on the air. Oh, well, that would be extra I mean, cool. if we could do either one, those would both be cool. Yeah. Could do a, uh, we could always do, like, a Skype or something and have yeah, it active yeah. or mm-hmm. even just a, you know, some sort of message receiving system could mm-hmm. be we could be monitoring while we're yeah. doing it i know there's some podcasts that uh record while they're on like twitch yeah or like uh, i think justin tv was a really old one you could do it live yeah do the podcast live and somebody's have... gonna swear if we do it live right well if we just have it in the chat then oh, okay well or at least well, i mean like... no some one of us is gonna swear right. if we're doing it live <laughs> one of the hosts right we we try we're trying to keep it, it family probably friendly. won't be me. I turned on my toddler voice when mm-hmm. I'm doing this. We're trying to be family friendly. Now it's accessible to everyone. Yes. But uh, when you teach, you tend to have two separate uh, sort of uh, lexicons. Mm-hmm. And one of my, you know, the one I have currently is the one I use for teaching, which is where if something goes wrong, it's more like all oh, biscuits than any other particular phrase. Mm-hmm. Son of a diddly. <laughs> I love son of a diddly. It's a good one. <laughs> <sighs> maybe one day we'll have like a like a meetup at Gen Con 2017 oh that would be super one day at Gen Con 2017 you know, you know? one of those <laughs> far off on days that I'm really not sure about it's so vague Gen Con 2017 yeah, it's uh, one on one Gen Con 2017 out there somewhere <laughs> once upon a Gen Con once 2017 once upon a 2017 it'll be great it'll be beautiful <laughs> no one will see it coming nobody I wonder how many episodes we'll have out by then. I don't know. You'd have to count up the yeah. bi-weeklies and then subtract however many you think we'll be sick for. Fair enough. I'm we sorry I have a new job. We're a, bi- we're a bi-weekly podcast right now. and not really new anymore. Yeah. What? just realized my job isn't really new anymore. I've been there for like three months. It's true. I can't believe I've only been there for three months. Not feel like it. Feels like I've been there forever. Yeah. I feel like I've been in my job forever. Remember you have that. been at your job forever. Yeah. But have you met my babies? My babies are all I have, fantastic. I have met your babies. They're pretty great. Oh, I heard Sweet that, babies. I heard that you ran into one at the... I think we talked about this earlier. Yes. But you ran into one. We won't, you know, use names, obviously, on the podcast. Hmm. But you ran into one and her mom and then asked if she had been picked up. But it was on Sunday. So she had not just been picked up from from daycare. Uh-huh. And her mom thought that was really funny and made sure and to tell me about it. I didn't connect those dots. It was really cute. But uh, she was there today. She said hi and said that she would bother you in line if you ever good. see you again. Excellent. Bother. That's good stuff. Well, perhaps we should go finish uh, mm. watching silly videos online and yes. doing all that other nonsense that we do in the evening, like play really old Sonic games. Yeah. Sonic the Fighters. Anybody? <laughs> yeah. Eight Chaos yeah. Emeralds, I've... except not really. Eight Emeralds. There are several emeralds being. That is a novelty chew toy. Well, that's uh, not for resale. That was not for resale, yep. I love not for resale. Excellent. We're (laughs) well versed in Sonic comics online as well. We're big on Sonic the Hedgehog. If you guys have questions about Sonic the Hedgehog. Oh, yeah, we will answer any question you have about Sonic the Hedgehog. Probably in the post show, though, not in the podcast. Not in the the podcast. (laughs) But if you've got a Sonic related question, we can answer it. We'll take it. Take it on. We're all about it. 
if there if there is a thing that we've got more about like more knowledge about than Pathfinder slash Dragon Age slash all that, it's Sonic the Hedgehog. It's Sonic the Hedgehog. We've got that. We're the kind of people who can tell you when certain people were introduced into various comics, like which episode, mm. like which episodes of shows, and which uh, which numbers in the comic books. Which uh, mm-hmm. yep. good, yep, yarp, yarp, yark. So thank you guys for joining. Thank you everyone for joining. Yep, and uh, if you're still hanging out, <laughs> thanks. Hi Jill. <laughs> hi Jill. I'm assuming you're Jill. I'm probably Caitlin too. Probably Caitlin, too. Well, thanks for listening, anyway. Yeah, we'll see you guys next Tuesday. Thank you all so much. You all have a good time. Yep. We love you. Bye-bye. Bye.